0: those you are listening to the dollop <laughs> this is a sometimes bi-weekly podcast about american history each week i read a story from american history to my friend gareth
1: reynolds who has no idea what the topic is about God, you want to look at a dude? I'll do one bump.
0: People say this is funny? Not Gary Garrow Stay okay. Someone or something is tickling people. Is it for fun? And this is not going to become the Tickling Podcast. Okay. You <laughs> are Queen Fakie of Made Up town. All hail Queen Shit of Liesville. A bunch of
1: religious virgins go to mingle. And do what? Pray.
0: Oh, hi, Gary. No. That's- Nicely done, my friend. No. No. <laughs> Good stuff. September twenty seventh, eighteen seventy seven. Uh huh. (laughs) Barely with us. Barely with us. I'm in. James Dole was born in Jamaica Plain, Massachusetts. His family was of Puritan blood, having arrived in colonial times. Okay. His father, Charles, was a Unitarian minister. He often expressed the hope that his son would enter the ministry. It's nice. It is nice. It is sweet. Yeah. Charles 1st Covern, cousin Covern. Oh. Charles 1st cousin Sanford Ballard Dole had gone Jesus. as a missionary. God, the name Ballard is a horrific.
1: Sanford Ballard? Yeah. Got a ring to it, huh?
0: <laughs>
1: Got a nice ring to it
0: that one. Rolls off the tongue. <laughs> yeah. 3 D's.
1: Sanford Ballard, get in here.
0: Yeah, it's not good. They call them Sandball.
1: Oh, cool. So at least he had a normal fine nickname.
0: Uh, he had gone as a missionary to Hawaii. Sanford became a lawyer, devoting his life to modernizing Hawaii and became a force in turning the islands into a state. Okay. James Dole attended Harvard, where he concentrated on agriculture and horticulture. In 1899, with his degree in hand, Dole made his way to Hawaii with his total savings about $1,500. Not bad. Intent upon making his fortune. At first, he lived with his cousin, Sanford, in Honolulu. All sounds pretty good right now. Sounds like a nice...
1: Sanford and brother.
0: Yep. Within two weeks, quote, Within two weeks, I found the town quarantined for six months by an outbreak of bubonic plague. Oh, Jesus. So that's bad. Yeah. During the winter, I saw the fire department, with the timely aid of a stiff wind, burn down all of Chinatown.
1: Sorry. Sorry, who burned down Chinatown? The fire department. So, in these times, was the fire department a department that just made fire?
0: In the 1800s, the fire department was on the other side.
1: I'm glad we made that switch. That was an important switch.
0: It says the intention was to disinfect with fire only one or two blocks.
1: Disinfect with fire? (laughs) Disinfect what?
0: Buildings? Not people. Maybe the Chinese. The
1: Chinese? That's not disinfecting.
0: (laughs) Well... They had different words for different things back then. See that? Yeah. Okay. That's good. Well, so they disinfected that's all Chinatown. That's a fun Chinatown.
1: way to put a chi- That's a fun I mean, way to like, put a Chinese genocide.
0: Positive spin. Yeah. The whole place is disinfected.
1: No. Yeah. It's like what we. It's like the Freedom Act. Yeah. Hey, we cleaned Chinatown. Hey, Chinatown spotless. Spotless. And gone.
0: Yeah. Uh, the Hawaiian economy was dependent on a single product: sugar. Attempts to grow rubber, coffee, fruits, and vegetables had all failed. Dole wrote. I first came to Hawaii with some notion of growing coffee and I heard that fortunes were being made in Hawaiian coffee.
1: Dole, huh?
0: I began homesteading a sixty-four acre farm in the rural district of the island of Oahu at a place called Waha'i. Waha Waha. Oh man, this Fuck is a that. this is a great one for your pronunciation. Uh it's about twenty-five miles from Honolulu. Okay. Dole borrowed money and on August first, nineteen ninety, he bought the land.
1: I I think he's going to get
0: fruity. What? Yeah. He he quickly deduced the land was better suited to pineapples than anything else. Pineapples. Others had tried pineapples, but the fruit does not travel well, and they all failed. James decided to sell pineapples in cans, which was also a difficult difficult thing to do. He planted about 75,000 pineapple slips, and with no knowledge of canning, he started a cannery.
1: That's, that's how you do it, man. That's a terrible phrase. Just Cannery's terrible also not a good... We could come up with something better. No, I like cannery. Can factory.
0: That's terrible.
1: I mean, I guess actually cannery is the combo of those
0: two. <laughs> hey, can we make that
1: longer? As you were. As you were, cannery.
0: The people of, quote, the people of Honolulu, Honolulu scoffed when 24-year-old James D. Dole founded the Hawaiian Pineapple Company. The Honolulu Advertiser labeled the company, quote, a foolhardy venture which had been tried unsuccessfully before and was sure to fail again. The Hawaiian business community had little interest in another fly-by-night pineapple company.
1: Well, I mean, you know, (laughs) they've been burned by so many pineapple things at that point.
0: Oh, another asshole pineapple man comes to our island. Another
1: fly-by-night pineapple man. (laughs) Fly-by-night.
0: So Dole was forced to return to to return to Boston briefly, where he raised 14000 from family and friends. Wow. I feel like this is going to pay off for those people. Yeah, well, I think it will. And despite the pessimism among Hawaiians, Dole was successful. More financial support came a year later when San Francisco's Hunt brothers, impressed with what he had done, dumped an investment. Dole, Chris and Mike. Chris yeah. and Mike. Yep. I'm not going to say it. There was a guy... Huh? On my high school basketball team. You had? There was a guy named Mike Hunt. Swear tough. to God. That's tough. He was really good. Went to the state finals. Dole was something of a technology buff. In 1913, his company had developed a machine that could peel 100 pineapples in a minute. Whoa. That's a fucking crazy machine at <laughs> yeah. that time period. <laughs> yeah, I bet there were some hands lost in that oh thing. Oh, my
1: God. A lot of Chinese hands <laughs> in that fucking thing.
0: <laughs> he was off and running. 25 years later, he had a vast pineapple plantation. It became the largest plantation in the world with over 20,000 acres devoted exclusively to growing pineapple. Using mechanized production and importing foreign workers who were paid at indentured servitude levels. Nice. Dole managed to drop the price of his pineapples so low that it drove every other producer out of the business. Wow. Uh, throughout the 20th century, uh, Lanai produced over 75% of the world's pineapple crop. It's a lot. Did you like that? That was the whole thing. If
1: that's it, I think we maybe
0: don't put it out. 7.52 a.m., May 20th, 1927. Charles Lindbergh gunned the engine of the Spirit of St. Louis and aimed her down the dirt runway at Roosevelt Field, Long Island. Whoa,
1: whoa. What? What is about to happen? What?
0: (laughs) Whoa. Whoa. Heavily laden with fuel, the plane bounced down the muddy field, gradually becoming airborne, and barely cleared the telephone wires at the field's edge. A crowd at the field's edge, a crowd of 500 watched. Working as a mail pilot a year earlier, he had heard of the $25,000 prize for the first flight between New York and Paris. Backed by a group of St. Louis businessmen, Lindbergh supervised. The building of his special plane and set out after the prize. Lindbergh equipped himself with four sandwiches, two canteens of water, and 451 gallons of gas.
1: Sorry, they were so it was a contest to see who could fly from LA to New York,
0: from uh New York to Paris,
1: or New York to Paris. That was and it was 25 grand,
0: yeah, to the winner of that. So businessmen backed him up and they built a the plane. Which but I'm other sure... people
1: was it just like any was it like the gold rush, like anyone who did it first got 25,000? Yeah, basically. Up? Isn't that, isn't that inviting a lot of plane crashes?
0: Let's read on. <laughs> oh, Jesus. On the evening of May twenty first, he crossed the coast of France, followed the Seine River to Seine River to Paris. Seine. Seine. I don't know. How that is. I'm not going to get it. Seine. Is that what it is? Seine. Yeah, the Seine River. Seine.
1: Seine.
0: Seine.
1: No, no, no. They don't. Seine. 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 Seine.
0: Jesus Christ. <laughs> Glad you're here. <laughs> Saint, It's Saint. just... Eh. Cain. Even all the other letters. Just out it, the it
1: is a little underpronounced.
0: Sure. Uh, so he touched down at 10.22 p.m. in Paris. The crowd waiting of 100,000 people Jesus. rushed the plane. He became an instant hero. The Lone Eagle, he was called. The, New York City gave him the largest ticker tape pa- parade ever. The president awarded him the Distinguished Flying Cross... His feet electrified the nation and inspired enthusiastic interest in aviation. Okay. One of the men his flight inspired was James Dole. Uh, Okay. James immediately thought this new mode of transportation could kill off his final big competitor. Boy, he was a real pineapple animal. He was a pineapple monster. Yeah. He wanted to be the pineapple king. He was a pine animal. (laughs) He announced the Dole Air Race. Jesus. This time...
1: (laughs) Okay, that sounds a
0: little Aryan. This time the goal was the Pacific. Okay, so... Dole put up $35,000 in prizes for the first planes to make the Pacific crossing. $25,000 to the first plane and $10,000 to the
1: second. Dave. What? Now we're back to my question.
0: (laughs) (laughs) The reaction was quick, eager, and enthusiastic. Pilot after pilot announced he was going after the money. There were two goals. One, of course, the money. And two, uh, the glory of making the first flight across the 2,400 ocean miles, which never had been crossed before in the air. That's a good amount. That's a nice
1: distance to make uh, an idiot fly. Well, I, I wouldn't say idiot. I think some of these people will be idiots. I don't know why you think that. Because for a number of reasons we're doing a dollop about it. Okay, that doesn't mean We're anything. we're still idiots and this is what has happened repeatedly through history. Greed over matter.
0: I I don't I don't follow you. Okay. Anyway. <clears throat> Almost immediately the first flight honor was gone. On March 28th, a month after Dole announced the race, two young army lieutenants, Lester Maitland and Albert Hegenberger took a three engine Fokker, 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 Fokker. Fokker. Fokker military monoplane up from Oakland Airport, headed west, and made it safely to Wheeler Field, Oahu. It took them uh, 25 hours and 50 minutes, and they were the first ever to complete the long and lonely trip. But the Dole Flyers told themselves Maitland and Hegenberger were army. No civilians yet had flown the Pacific, so they still had the glory of being the first. I mean, that's really nitpicky. I I mean, they did it. What's the point? But they're also wrong about the civilian thing. A young airmail pilot named Ernie Smith and his navigator, Emery Bronte, in a monoplane called City of Oakland, took off from Oakland Field on July 4th. That's the worst plane name ever. Ever. That's the worst plane name ever. (laughs) City of Oakland. City of Oakland. The City of Oakland's coming in. Uh, They reached the Hawaiian Islands completely out of gas, and they crash-landed in a thorn tree on the island of Molokai, 26 hours and 36 minutes later. It wasn't Honolulu, but it was Hawaii, and the civilians had done it. So, the dole racers were like, well, okay, we're going to get the money, and then, you know, fame. But... The distance was almost as long as Lindbergh's flight, and the conditions were arguably worse. And the small islands would be much, 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 much harder to find than the continent of Europe. (laughs) It's not good. It's fine. It's not fine. Experts cautioned that a race wasn't the best way to attempt such a dangerous journey. We need to start listening to experts more. But Dole ignored them.
1: They're always there. They're always there saying the
0: right thing. I don't know. This could all work out great. This won't work out great. August, you know what I always think of is the Hanna-Barbera cartoon when I, was, when I was writing this? You know, the, all the, the, where they did the little race cars? It was really... Oh. You remember that? Uh, Probably not. No. On August 8th, when the entry list closed with 15 planes in competition, the official drawing for starting positions took place in the office of Captain C.W. Sanders. Wait, 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 wait. Sorry, what's happening? The starting positions? So many people wanted to do it. There, it's a race? Well, so many people wanted to do it. So instead of like just people jumping in a plane and doing it, they all made it pe- a cannonball run. All these people made their intentions to do it, so they're like, "All right, we gotta an organized race."
1: Yeah. What this is? This is like fucking <laughs> the balloons in
0: Cleveland, but with human lives. <laughs> Have you seen airplanes by? Sorry. The, the Disney movie Dusty.
1: Oh, I haven't seen that. Voiced no. by
0: Dan Cook. No. That's probably worse. Already it sounds like the
1: main plane's hacky, though.
0: Super hacky. Yeah. Not fun. He's not so a funny just, plane. They're, they're, uh, this is a terrible... It might be a fine idea. This is a terrible idea. How about some optimism? <laughs> no! No! On August 8th, when the entry list closed with the 15 planes in competition... Uh, I mean, this is going to
1: be... this is not good.
0: The official drawing for starting positions took place in the office of Captain C.W. Saunders, California director of the National Aeronautics Association in San Francisco.
1: He's not very good at his job.
0: All hands agreed on a starting date. Anyone who jumped the gun relinquished all rights to the prize money. Uh-huh. <clears throat> the huge prize money attracted a ragtag mob of adventurers and daredevils.
1: Not who you want.
0: There was the legendary Hollywood aerial stuntman Art Goebel, who charged $80 to film a parachute jump and $15,000 to blow up a plane in midair.
1: Okay, so already this should be a movie.
0: <laughs> <laughs> William Randolph, her son, hired a pilot named Jack Frost to fly for him. Wait, yep. okay, another Hearst? Yep. Oh, yeah. Of course, they're going to jump in. <laughs> Popular cowboy actor Hoot Gibson entered his triplane, Pride of Los Angeles. Legendary World War One flying ace Captain William Irwin was in, while Hawaii local favorite Martin Jensen only managed to enter after his wife rallied the citizens of Honolulu to buy him a plane.
1: I mean, this cast is great. Oh, can, can you hit me with some of them again?
0: We got... Uh, Hollywood stuntman Art Goebel.
1: That's right, Art Goebel.
0: William Randolph Hearst's son hired a pilot named Jack Frost. (laughs) Popular cowboy actor Hoot Gibson. (laughs) Legendary World War I flying ace Captain William Irwin. And Martin Jensen, the local kid. (laughs) Oh, man. Position number 13 went to Navy Lieutenants George Koval, married, father of two, and R.S. Wagner, a bachelor, both of San Diego. They had an unnamed, quote, mystery monoplane, reputed to be one of the best in the race. Okay. (laughs) Two days after the number was drawn, Lieutenants Coval and Wagner took off from San Diego and Oakland, flew into a fog, and slammed into an ocean cliff within 15 minutes. Oh, Jesus Christ. They were dead in the flaming airplane when it hit the beach. Uh, This
1: is is tough comedically. (laughs) This is is ridiculous, but... (laughs) I mean, two men have just died right away. Right away. Fifteen minutes. Yeah, I mean, it's fine. Talk about prematurely. It's gonna be fine. Aviating.
0: Uh, preparing for the race, Captain Arthur V. Rogers, twenty-nine, uh-huh. flyer and decorated veteran of the Lafayette Escadrille in World War One, took his monoplane Angel of Los Angeles up for a test flight at Western Air Express Field. At Montebello, with his wife and infant daughter, Millicent watching beside the runway, he circled, then plunged 125 feet to the ground, dying instantly.
1: That was his test run. Yeah, uh, he, he wasn't ready. Well, we're down three racers. Yeah, we're not. We're losing some of these people. Yeah. And by the way, I'm not sure if this could be a movie anymore. We,
0: oh God, it could be a great movie. I
1: mean, it would be a 20 minute movie.
0: <laughs> well, we've got. got it would be
1: all set up, and then just horrific crashes. We've
0: still got 10, 12 people. Okay, all right. We uh, our Hollywood stars. Some people were starting to say, hey, maybe this isn't such a good idea. Experts. But there was no stopping the flyers. The tragic accident seemed to give a new edge to their appetite for the adventure, and the public had its interest now captured by the haphazard and perilous drama of it all.
1: No, not it's not perilous. They, people are dying. The, the public, public is enjoying watching, knowing of deaths.
0: The public would not ha- have heard of a cancellation at this point. Oh, God. People began arriving by the thousands at the airport to cheer each contestant as he or she landed in Oakland. They got up close and looked at the planes. Excitement was everywhere. Mildred Doran from Flint, Michigan, was teaching the fifth grade and was a student pilot when she heard about the Dole race. She knew William Maluska of Flint was entering a plane in the contest. Molusca, who owned Lincoln's Oils Gas Stations in Michigan, was a former carnival owner and was always looking for a way to promote his business. Well, I... Oh,
1: God. I mean, what a, it's a weird time when flying a plane helps your carnival.
0: <laughs> no, he doesn't have a carnival anymore. He has a well, gas station.
1: Oh, well, okay. Prom- but he wants to promote his gas stations, but he used to be a carnival man?
0: Yeah, he used to be carnival man.
1: Okay. I stand by it. That's
0: always a good sign. Yeah. Uh,
1: Got a- out of the carnival <laughs> game, finally. Man, that is a vicious, vicious cycle.
0: Augie Pedler.
1: Uh-huh. Sure, keep going.
0: The pilot of uh, of a Mollusca's plane was 24, a skinny and hot-tempered lad from Lincoln, Nebraska, who wore a battered straw hat and won the right to fly the little biplane by a coin with a fellow aviator. What? The navigator was Lieutenant... Villas R. Nob of San Diego, an Annapolis man. Maleska agreed Mildred Doran could ride along in the race and decided to name the plane after her. The Miss Doran left on its flight from a small airfield in Grand Blanc Township on july eleventh, nineteen
1: twenty seven. All right, and Munch hit me with the good news.
0: Because female flyers are very unusual, Doran's story caught the attention of the public and the media. Uh-huh. Mildred was 22, a girl with hazel eyes, olive skin, and curly dark hair. She became a celebrity, interviewed at every stop the plane made on its, on its way to Oakland for the race. Mildred wore five fraternity pins on her olive drab flying suit, but when she was asked, she said she wasn't in love. The boys just gave them to her because uh, they were dancing partners.
1: She sounds like a dancing whore.
0: This is a great story.
1: Sounds like she was dancing with a lot of boys.
0: En route to Oakland from the east, Miss Dorn had a... Sp- Miss Dorn. It's also... The plane's called Miss Doran, so don't get yeah, confused with no, Miss Doran.
1: Well, I mean, it's, very, it's a very weird thing to do.
0: Miss <laughs> Doran had spark bug trouble over the San Joaquin Valley and came down in a wheat field. Mildred explained they had a little trouble making repairs because they had no tools. Quote, we threw the mouth at Long Beach because we were in the way... They were in the way and cluttering things up. The, the tools were... The tools yep, to fix your problems yep. were in the way? The tools were in the way, so they got rid of them. Interesting. They were in the way. Interesting. Another would-be competitor was Pride of Los Angeles, the plane with three wings. Dull aficionado- aficionados <laughs> called Wait, her what's... a stack of wheats because of her three-layered appearance. Three wings? Yeah. You mean three wings on each side? I have no idea how. Yeah, it must be. It says It just says three wings. Well, three. <laughs> I mean, maybe, maybe it was one big one across, and then uh-huh. two little ones. Okay, all right. I'm imagining, uh, or it could be three. Uh, anyway, her pilot was Captain J. L. Griffin, a Long Beach attorney, and her navigator Theodore Lundgren, bond broker, and former army flyer. On August 11th, as the plane began its approach to the Oakland field. It fell clumsily into the bay 100 feet offshore.
1: Oh, God. I mean, they're not even getting and Like, that, that's why people are showing up, because they're like, they literally crashed at the starting line. Like, just come here and you'll, you'll see them crash.
0: Griffin and Lundgren were unhurt, but the pride of Los Angeles was done. <laughs> yeah. So. Boy, uh, that's quite a loaded statement. So the field had been narrowed down to eight on the morning of August 16th. How many have died? Seven? Well, we've lost three. Okay, three. We've lost three. Three okay. dead. That's not many. Many. Mm. Yeah. So the field had uh, been narrowed down to eight. Uh, this is the lineup. Golden Eagle, a little monoplane which stood out because it had metal rather than a cloth-covered fuselage. The pilot was Jack Frost of New York. When they assigned him the license number NX-913 and asked him whether he minded, he quipped, Heck no! What's one more 13 in my life? His navigator he, was... He was always so great with a confusing wit like God, that. Was fucking amazing. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, His navigator was Gordon Scott, 26, from London. Aloha, the next plane, uh, was a uh, lemon-yellow monoplane with a pink flower lye painted on the nose, whose pilot, Martin Jensen, 26, peppery little Honolulu commercial flyer, who said, quote, I've got to make it. I'll make it or die in an attempt. Okay. He's going to (laughs) die. Captain Paul Schluter, a seafaring man, was his navigator. Woolerock, a seafaring man. Yep, I know the sea. I Good. Do. How are you in the sky? <laughs> I don't know shift. I know boats. I know boats and water. Hey, can I fly in your race? I know boats. Oh, but what do you mean we're flying? Oh boy. Next plane was Woolerock, whose pilot was Art Goble, a big and handsome world flyer and the stunt man from the Thirteen Black Cats of Hollywood. That was the name of the stunt group. Okay. His navigator was Lieutenant William V. Davis, Jr., an Annapolis man. Miss Doran with Mildred Pedler and Lieutenant Knop. Oklahoma, a sister ship of the Wolarak, piloted by Bennett Griffin, a former former Army flyer with Al Henley as the navigator. The Dallas Spirit flown by Captain William P. Irwin, a World War I combat victor over nine German planes. Okay. Uh, And navigated by Alvin Eckwalt, 27 of Hayward, one-time Navy seamen who survived three ship explosions during the war. Okay, I'm going to tell you. Is that I, everyone? Nope. Oh, Jesus. El Encanto, a metal monoplane. El of, Encanto? Yeah. Uh, of uh, Navy Lieutenants Norman G. Goddard and Kenneth C. Hawkins of San Diego, one of the prettiest planes and one heavily favored in pre-race odds. Okay, so they're not going to do it. And Popco Flyer, whose pilot, Major Livingston Irving, er- of Berkeley chose to go it alone without a navigator. All
1: right. So I'm going to tell you who I think is going to do okay. it. Okay. Okay. I think it's going to be Jack Frost.
0: Interesting. I
1: think it's going to be Jack Frost. Uh-huh. Um Because it... Mainly because they didn't want to have cloth near where the
0: fuel is. Okay. So you're voting.
1: I, I think that that shows uh, some thinking. And I think a lot of... I think the stuntman is not going to be used uh-huh. to this sort of stuff. I mean, he's used to fucking up. That's his job as a stuntman for the most part. True. Uh... I mean, if you're putting a flower on there and suggesting that your death is one of the two options, I think you're probably a goner. Heavy favorite's
0: not going to do it. So I'm going Jack
1: Frost. If anyone does this thing.
0: There were 50,000 spectators on the foggy morning of August 16th, 1927. Some people say there were 100,000. Mm-hmm. The misshrouded shrouded Oakland Airport, drifting close above eight little airplanes, lined up in a semicircle at the head of the dusty runway. The 15 men and Mildred attended to last-minute details, adjusting bulky engines and tightening flimsy control wires. This was a great day in aviation history, and for the San Francisco Bay Area, the Pacific was about to be conquered by flight for the third time. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But this time, mostly in tiny airplanes with inefficient engines, no safety equipment, worth mentioning, and unskilled crews. Oh, boy. Is anyone going to make it? Just before eleven o'clock, the sun burned through the fog, and all of them are ready to go. Mildred Doran had raspberries, toast, and coffee for breakfast, and posted a letter to a friend in Flint, Michigan. We are sure going to be the first there. She wrote. The crowd surged against the fences.
1: That's like the old. Fa- that's like Facebook updates. As, that's like a <laughs> Facebook update.
0: As the start starting flag was whipped. Oak, I love they still had a starting flag yeah. Oklahoma rumbled down the runway Struggled into the air And the dull race had begun Okay The crowd cheered Next, Ellen Contno And Cantno Rocked along the runway Shot to the right Swerved and fell over on her left wing uh, Immediately? Yeah, didn't make it off the runway <laughs> Goddard and Hawkins crawled out unhurt But the Ellen Cantno was finished Jesus You can't fall over on your left wing uh, They're They're probably the luckiest ones the Pabco Flyer was next. Down the runway it went, lifting into the air, then crashing into the marshland, seven thousand feet from the starting line. Wow! <laughs> I assume people were booing at that point. I would have been boo because one's gone up and two of two have just immediately not booing. Yeah, why you boo? Boo! Uh, the Golden Eagle uh, it's was my baby. more of a sturdy plane than the others. The sleek plane took off smoothly and flew into the west. Yeah, the crowd roared as they watched a the plane do what it should do. Yeah, fly. fly. Next sputtered up Miss Dora on a sad little plane. Oh, this is not be, a good start. This would be like taking a rowboat to Hawaii instead of a ship. Battered, flimsy, and clumsy, the little biplane managed to take off and then returned ten minutes later. We're done. <laughs> it wasn't good. <laughs> More surprising was that the Oklahoma came back, too. Something ripped in her fuselage over San Francisco, and her crew figured it was better to be safe than sorry, because, you know, huge ocean, plane, dead, that kind of thing.
1: Yeah, well, it's nice to hear that better to safe than sorry was something that people did actually think.
0: Next went the Dallas Spirit, and just like the others, quickly returned. Something was wrong with the tail assembly.
1: We were just following the
0: others! (laughs) Aloha got off all right, and so did the wool The POPCO flyer was pulled out of the marsh and ready to go again. What? No.
1: You don't pull it out of the marsh and then say it's ready to go again. Yeah. No. They
0: took off and once again crashed into the marsh. Yeah. (laughs) Stop. (laughs) Leave them in the marsh. Don't help them. (laughs) That was it for the POPCO. Miss Doran was ready to go again, too. Some reporters wrote that Mildred looked ashen and in tears as she got on the plane. Oh, what? The plane rose slowly, went out, and disappeared into the west. No, Isn't that
1: beautiful? That's terrible. The 22 year old girl just weeping, just crying, getting knowing into the she's cockpit. about to die. Yeah.
0: No, not, not good.
1: I mean, that ends bad. Uh,
0: so, after all the long weeks and preparation and all the excitement, only four airplanes out of 15 were in the air over the Pacific that afternoon <laughs> the Golden Eagle, Aloha, Woolerack, and Miss Doran. So, I you.
1: I got my pony in.
0: Yeah, still. you got my your pony in the race. the race. Come
1: on, Golden Eagle!
0: The stuntman Gobo with his navigator, Davis, got there first in the Woolerock. It took 26 hours, 17 minutes. They won the $25,000. Damn it! Martin Jensen, the Hawaiian, and Captain Schluter got there in 28 hours, 60 minutes, and won the $10,000 prize. I'm
1: noticing I haven't heard about the Local Golden... Local boy! <laughs> yeah, yeah.
0: Local boy. I haven't heard about the Golden Eagle. Oh, the Golden Eagle was never seen again. <laughs> <laughs> no! Oh, no, my babies. As was Miss, as was the Miss Dorr.
1: Well, that's not surprise. <laughs> she, I mean, it's it's nice that the last image was her, her. going into the rape pit, <laughs> just
0: weeping. Yeah,
1: I'm going to die. Okay, I understand that the people want to see a show. I'll end my life for this. <laughs>
0: Uh, they were searched for by the U.S. Navy with 42 ships, but not a, a sign was found of the planes. A $10,000 reward was offered by the by the guy who owned the Lincoln Oil. Oh, really? Planes for Miss Dorn's recovery. I don't know what ten thousand dollar reward. It's the middle of the ocean. Yeah, it's not like
1: <laughs> yeah, really. I mean, it's like someone's
0: going to stumble across you in a forest. Uh,
1: however, let's be honest. This was caused by them all trying to race fifteen planes to Hawaii. So I think okay. if you started a ten thousand dollar find the right. find these planes contest, people would be like, "Well, shit, I'm just going to swim it."
0: Captain Irwin and young Ekwalt fixed the Dallas Spirit's tail assembly and took off three days later to finally make it to Honolulu and to help in the search for their fellow racers. So that's good. Yeah, I mean, sure. Hey, someone's doing the right thing here. Yeah, okay. The Dallas Spirit was never heard from again. Wait, (laughs) no! 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 Stop the bleeding! Stop the bleeding. That's seven more to the dull race. That one did
1: not need to happen. That's three days later. like, well, we're going to try to win this fucking thing.
0: They're going to go search for their buddies. No, they were.
1: They, well, it didn't work.
0: That, uh, that's seven more to the dull death race Jesus. list. Mildred Dorn, Pedler, and Knopp, and Jack Frost, and Gordon Scott. That made it ten deaths altogether before, during, and after the race. A race that would have made them the third plane to fly to Hawaii. Good. In Flint, Michigan, the Doran Tower was built in the Flint area, in Mildred Doran's memory. It was a three-story, six-sided wood building. A memorial and shrine were dedicated in 1929, built by Lincoln Oil as a windmill-shaped gas station with an upstairs apartment. What? On airport property.
1: Can I... Okay. I don't want to sound like an asshole. Mm -hmm. But what did she do? Like, why... What is so celebrated?
0: She captured the nation's attention. Okay, so we can just
1: put an Amy Fisher statue somewhere.
0: Well, that's fine. No, that's fine that he did it because he's the one who, you know, had her get in the plane and everything, and and maybe the he people. He did it, but maybe why? Maybe the people but in Flint were like, "Well, she she because she was brave." I mean, she was brave, but she was seen crying. Stupid as a
1: fucking box of boxes. Kind of what my point is. Uh, Not the, that the others were smart, but it just seems like I didn't hear that they got statues. They didn't. Yeah. The Where's building... my Jack Frost statue?
0: The Where's build... my Gordon Scott shrub? Fuck that thing. The building at the, at the southeast corner of Saginaw and Maple Roads was uh, ra- <laughs> torn down in 1973. It was uh, then a vacant lot until 1979. Now it houses a restaurant. Dave's Country Oven. <laughs> if you go there, the foundation and concrete slab of the Doran Tower are still buried under topsoil and the grass between the intersection and the restaurant sign. That's kind of what, that's the memorial now. It's gorgeous.
1: You should open a place called Dave's Cunty Oven.
0: <laughs> what? Why would that
1: happen? Because you like to say cunt. That was a good story, right? That's great. Yeah, I'm really... Uh, Do you feel better about things? No.
0: No. People and stuff like that? Nope.
1: Nope. feel like that's terrible. What a great race. Yeah, what a great... Is it a race? Was it a race? It was a race. It was kind of a, mur- a flight murder. Flight murder.
0: Yeah. All right. All right. I hope everybody's happy.
1: I'm not happy. Oh, hey there, everybody. It's Gareth, you know, from this uh, this podcast. Uh, listen, I've got some stand-up shows. I'm inviting the Garmy, the Gareth Army, to join me for. I will be in Fort Collins, Colorado, August 18th and August 19th. I will be in Minneapolis, Minnesota, August 24th through August 26th at ACME. november 17th brisbane november 18th and then i will be in uh sydney on november 24th go to gareth for tickets Garmy, let's get at it after it let's see you there hey there people listening to the dollop uh this is gareth yes the same guy i listen i have a new podcast called we're here to help that i'm doing with my friend jake johnson